Blog Talk Radio. Live from Pompano Beach, Florida. I want to welcome everyone to the Kayak Fishing Raw podcast. Freddie, we are back. Back and live. Back in business, baby. What's so, going on? holy crap, man. Was, you just screamed at me, bro. We, uh, we're done with the Sailfish series, man. Sailfish tournaments are done for the year. I know, man. They, uh, they flew, huh? Yeah. Crazy weather this, this time. I mean, let's, let's, um, let's talk about kind of the whole thing, you know, part one and part two. We also have, uh, Brandon Scoff. He won the Sailfish Smackdown part two. He's calling in. Cool. And, uh, what's great about that is he's from freaking Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, man. I mean, how cool is that? Pretty cool, man. You come to South Florida, never caught a sailfish, and once again, we got a new guy that comes in and wins it. I mean, what does that tell you? It tells me that I hate my life. Good. Have yeah. you caught a fish yet? In the sailfish tournament? In really any... At all. Tournament in whatsoever? Life. In yeah. life in general? In life? No. Okay. No, I haven't at all. Well, that's a fairly moderate... Uh, but I have the... Um, I don't have enough pride to not admit it. I got gotcha. you. Makes sense. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Not really. But I'm, um, I'm not too proud to be a good one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so the Sailfish Smackdown won. All right. So mm-hmm. let's start there. We had Franco, and actually Franco ended up winning the ring. Say his last name. Navad Navadad. <laughs> Nar- Navadad. Navadad. Is it Navadad? You tell me. Oh come on, man. <laughs> no, See, that. I, it's really hard to. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But he killed it. He's I from, love it. He's from Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, once again, another out-of-towner. So, I mean, you look at this event in a nutshell in general, and it's basically a whole lineup of out-of-towners. Yeah, I mean, well, except I, for like Rob and some of the, the good locals. But, I mean, again, what are we learning about the Sailfish Smackdown? Well, I think like we talked about, I think it's because it's two days. It's right. easier for – like if you, come, if you come from out of town, you almost certainly have to take – because you need a you need to bring a kayak, right? You almost certainly have to drive, right? Correct. You can't fly a kayak here. I think that it's because they're, you know, you're you're already going to take off almost a week of work, so you do it when there's a two day event. It's a vacation. It makes, it makes more sense. I th- I think that's why there's more out of towners for that tournament because it seems to make sense. Plus, it's cold everywhere else, and then you come here and it's warm. Right. In January, February, March. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a. A ball of just vacation, um, tropical weather, uh, you know, the beautiful beaches, and you're and you're catching sailfish. I yeah. think, you know, the chance to catch a, a fish you can't get in Nebraska. Right. In, yeah, like you can't go off a kayak in New Jersey and catch sailfish off the beach. I mean, no. it just can't happen. So mm-hmm. um, I just think that's a big element to it as well. And what I think is interesting with the sailfish series is that, once again, I mean, these out-of-towners who haven't even caught a sailfish ever are coming here and they're doing it. But they're not just doing it. They're doing it consistently. So is that, is that from research? Is that from them, like you said, maybe coming early and figuring out how to do it No, to compete? I mean, what, what do you think it is? Is it because not a lot of locals fish it? Well, I think probably... Sixty percent of it is the fact that, like, when you have the tournament, right, you plan it so that there's a lot of fish, right, in the area. They're coming through that time of year. Yeah, it's, it's season. Yeah, and when you have forty guys with live bait in the water, dude, someone's gonna get one. People are gonna catch them. Right. So I think a lot of it is luck. Luck. 
and and not luck because obviously I don't catch them. <laughs> so like absolutely, and I even actually know. <laughs> What I'm supposed to be doing and try. Long story short, Freddie and I went fishing. He finally got me to go out for the first time in years, a, a few years. probably. Yeah. So I, I went out, I borrowed a, uh, the new turbo uh, Mirage drive from Nautical Ventures, the one that goes backward and forward. I loved it, by the way. Thank you, Nautical. Uh, you still have that or you gave it back? No, I, I gave it back, but I can use it whenever. But so Fred drags me out. We go out there to go fishing. We're super excited. So... I get out there, we're looking for, you know, the right depth, but, um, so I end up hooking up, you know, probably each drift I do, I'm hooking up at least once to something. He's, he's, he's meanwhile, a little. he kept screaming fish on and then meanwhile, all I saw was one fish. Freddie, the only, whole I did only time, now I know fish. why you don't catch fish. So the whole time Fred is out there, what are you doing? You are, he's talking on Facebook live I was still about like just still stupid fishing. stuff. Hey. Like. You were having a conversation mm-hmm. on Facebook Live the whole time I was fishing. I was still fishing, though. Ye- not really. No, but I was fishing. You were on Facebook, like, just talking to people. What Joe is saying is that he's not able to talk and reel in a, a reel at the same time. Correct. I'm fishing. No, but you're not able. But don't, like, you, your think, brain's not don't you think capable. you need to, like, I don't know, focus a little more on I was only on Facebook Live fish. because you hooked up to a fish. You were on Facebook Live for an hour and a half. Yeah, I never do that. An hour and a half. It was the first time I've ever been on Facebook Live. Okay. I'm just saying, like, maybe this, maybe we're on to something. No. Why, you're, why you don't catch fish. No, I'm just not good at fishing. You're just not good at getting good Don't blame Facebook. It's I just my fault. I think it has something. That, well, I'm not blaming Facebook. I'm, I'm saying you, you know, you're, mm. you're acting a little millennial-ish, and you're, you know, just playing around on Facebook. All right, and so that was one day. And that was one day. How do don't you, expl- you think? How do you explain the other three days a week that I don't catch fish? I mean, exactly. I'm not there, so I don't know if you're. I'm just if you're just it. playing around on Facebook. No, 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 I don't play around on Facebook. No. Well, I'm underway. No, almost never. That's a lie. No, it isn't. Back to the selfish factor. Your mom. I just figured I had to throw that out there. He only why Freddie doesn't catch fish. He only caught one fish, by the way. Actually, I caught four, and I let one of the little tuna go, and then I kept the other. What is that Atlantic Bonita? But, right? So you caught two Atlantic Bonita. They were Atlantic Bonita? Can or you guys they... rewind it and do the math that he just pulled out of his head? I caught two little... Uh... You literally just said I caught four through one back. No, no, no. I know. I caught two um, uh, jacks, and then I caught two Atlantic mm. Bonita. Where'd they go, though? I'm going to go. No pictures, but no pictures, jacks. right? Huh? No pictures. I got pictures. You did. Where you did didn't you? see the pictures I put I on Facebook? I saw the picture of the one that you kept. There's two. Mm. You didn't see that one? No, I saw the one picture You're of the one You're on Facebook 24-7. How are you missing this? I saw the one photo of the one that you kept. All right, so and back to the office SmackDown. But, yeah. yeah, I just think, um, you know, obviously the weather was a big factor, right, in the series. So, I mean, <laughs> it was definitely – Hello. Yeah, it was probably the worst we've ever seen. But I will say this. I feel like this year in general has been – It's awful right now. Insanely windy. Oh, dude, it's It shouldn't be like this right 20 now. 20 miles an hour right now. Well, the rain right now, excuse me, the rain, it is rainy season. So I, I get that. I mean, it's supposed to rain right now. That's June. We always get that. But the wind brutal. What is going on, man? I'm telling you, man, it's been this way for like a year. I mean, I have an almanac just so everyone knows that dates back to the early sixties. Okay. And I got it from a good friend and it's basically been our lifesaver since day one of starting extreme. I'll put it to you this way. You have a guy right now putting on a little, uh, offshore tournament. 
and he's a good guy, but he's already dealing with weather problems already. His first one got canceled. Exactly. So it just goes to show you having something like this and records is like gold to someone like me. So we've been, so I wouldn't say it's totally luck. There's definitely a lot that goes into that. You got to plan it for sure. Exactly. So, but this year I have never seen, I have never seen the wind. Our almanac is like way off. It's not working for this year because of the wind. Yeah. Well, Donald Trump messed up the weather a lot, you know? (laughs) <laughs> when he went it's in his there. fault, right? Yeah, and these shitbag weather and, you know, <laughs> he's building that wall. He started blocking, that El, El, El Nino thing, right? He's Didn't blocking he El Nino that? with a wall. Right. So, exactly. like, El Nino can't come across the border. I don't know how it works. I know. I know. got to be his fault. But, I mean, I, you know, I think with the Selfish Smackdown, you know, obviously these guys battled through one of the worst weathers we've ever seen in each tournament. I mean, even in uh, the second Selfish Smackdown, Day one was insane towards the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, we had to rescue people, and it was, it was nuts, man. Well, someone always needs to get rescued, but they were, they were like guys that like – Guys that didn't have to be rescued. Yeah. Normally. Right. Yeah. So bad. Bad. It, was, it was brutal. It was brutal. Um, but yeah. we did it. We pulled it off. I do think if you're going to look on the bright side of the weather situation, I feel that the bright side is uh, – we got Brandon calling now, but let me finish oh, cool. this real quick. I think the bright side is it showed how skilled these anglers are to date. You can't just be any dude in any old, you know, pelican kayak. You you really need to bring your, your the right gear and right. the right amount of skills and like it takes first of all, just to get off of the beach. Right. You you have to have this confidence that you can do it. Because Exactly. If, I mean, how many people didn't go the next day, the second day? That's what I'm trying to like say. Half yeah. Of the people didn't half the go. field were were done. That wasn't. That's not to say it wasn't doable. It just shows their metal because exactly they went out there and caught fish on that second day, and everybody else thought that it couldn't be done and didn't even try. Exactly. When obviously it could be done because people did it. Because they did it. Yeah. And so, speaking of so, awesome anglers, yeah, Brandon, how you doing, bud? Good. How are you guys? We're doing good, brother. Uh, I got Freddie here. What's up, bro? We got you loud and clear. That's how a good connection. Are you on a landline? Tell me you still have a landline. No cell phone. Dang, that's a good, Dang. that's a good service, and this is the best service we've ever heard. Seriously, um, What's going so on? Brandon, man, listen, you killed it in the Selfish Smackdown leg two. Um, you won five k from Turbo USA and Railblazer. Uh, you won an awesome custom Selfish mount from Global. So um, let's go into detail, man, so these anglers can know how you did it. Um, what was it like from start to finish? Uh, let's start right in the morning. Um, you started heading out. What was it like for you? Yeah, so uh, initially, I know because I fished last year's Sailfish Smackdown. I mean, that was a tough one, too, because the current was ripping. So, I mean, it was the same kind of deal this year. And when I got out there, I kind of had the game plan that I was going to stick between, like, 80 to 120 um, depth-wise. And then I know from last year, a lot of the fish were caught uh, right out in front of the uh, the lighthouse. So I was kind of going in to focusing on that but once i got out there uh like the current i mean you look down you stop pedaling or paddling um and then you're you know so far down the beach so i yeah. kind of you're, you're definitely la- at the mercy of the current right so since the launch was on it was on the other side it was south of the pier this year um so i kind of tried to stay somewhat south of the pier um and then, you know, a couple of people called in that they didn't hook up, that they hooked up, and then it either came off or they ended up not being a selfish. 
Right. Um, and then I kind of, I mean, I was, you know, like I said, 80 to 120. And then I think I caught mine right under 90 feet, I think it was, um, when oh, I first wow. hooked up. And then uh, I didn't call what it in right away. What time away, was this, Brandon? What, what time was this around? Um, I think it was right around 10, like right before 10 o'clock. Okay. I didn't call it. I didn't call it in initially because I wanted to make sure I had the fish pinned and you know, had a solid, solid hookup on it. Um, right. So when I saw it, I, it, it took the bait behind me. Um, I didn't know if it was a sailfish or not, and then I saw it jump in front of me, and that's whenever I first called it in. So isn't that amazing? That first jump. Yep. Oh man, and this is awesome. uh, this is my first sailfish too. So. Wow. So, was, so uh, like when it when it jumped, did you think like did the did the technique stuff go through your brain? Like I need to do this so that this fish doesn't break, or do you even know those things? Like do you know, you know, like did you research like what are you supposed to do when a when a big fish jumps like that, or like were you fearful of your gear so breaking I mean, or anything? I was. Um, I mean, I made my real set, so I think like six pounds of drag at strike. Um, so I didn't want to. I wanted to catch the fish, you know, and see the fish. First and foremost, I mean, winning the tournament really didn't cross my mind. It was an added bonus, um, but I, I basically just wanted to come out and catch a sailfish. Um, right. So when I had it on, I didn't want to, I didn't want to muscle it in. But at the same time, I didn't want to take forever to land it because I think the second one was caught, I don't know, ten or fifteen minutes after I landed mine. Yeah, they come in spurts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're close to the other guy because they come in big school. So. Yeah, so you're trying to like you're 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 debating like, do I do I hurry up and reel this dude in, or do I just baby him and make sure I get him? But you're, you know, because you're in a tournament now, it's like a different it's a different story, a different animal. Because if you're out just fun fishing, you can take as long as you want. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, animal. you can take right. as long as you want. But now it's all you're time. You're, now you're faced with this like you're you're battling the fish and the time and everyone else. So like, tell me what was um you know like, at what point did you think like oh shit I need to go ahead and reel this dude in. Well, when you guys came up to the uh, with the support boats, that's when I kind of started to put a little bit more heat on it. And to, I mean, like ten minutes before I uh, hooked up, I put a second line out. So of course that got all tangled up. So once that started to get right. more tangled, you know, I kind of you know had in my head that I need to get this fish in, so you know something you know doesn't catch up and the fish pops off. Yeah, good now, move. What, Brandon, what were you using? out there like uh with your line and your your i mean all together your gear your bait everything uh i had two setups out i had a, a conventional had an avid lx i think i had 40 40 pound mono 30 or 40 pound mono on that and i think i had a 30 pound leader on that okay um i like that stealthy and, and then uh I think it was like a 50 circle hook and then i was using a guard on both uh, both rods, and the other one's the same thing. I think about the spin fisher one was um, as a bait cast or a bait runner eight thousand Shimano, and then uh, two custom rods, Barrett rods. Nice man, nice. So at least you brought the right gear. A lot yeah. of times we see these guys come from out of town and they're like seven zero hooks. Yeah, they're <laughs> undergeared and or either overgeared. Yeah, I mean. So Brandon, but before the tournament, like um, first of all, how did you find out? about extreme kayak fishing uh, and what kind of uh, got you into doing this event in the first place. And then um, what kind of research did you do beforehand so that it can give you any kind of edge possible to compete in this event? 
Well, I, I've been going down to Florida since southwest Florida and Naples area for like 20-some years since I was a real tiny. Um, and then fishing off the beaches, though, kind of progressed to um, – I lived there for three years. Um, and then I got into shark fishing off the beach. And then I met uh, John um, through a buddy down there. Benarchek, and um, I got okay. him in the shark fishing. We started fishing together. Uh, then we started doing inshore fishing over there in the kayaks. And then I unfortunately had to move back up to Pittsburgh. Um, and that's whenever he started fishing your guys' tournaments. Right. And then last year, I sailfish, the Sailfish Mackinac was the first one I did. Okay. Um, and then last year, I had no idea what I was doing. Um the current was crazy. I mean, I had the right. right gear, but I just didn't know that area. So this is so this one would have been the third one I did. Um, going in, just like different techniques. I mean, I wasn't sure if I wanted to get the baits down, you know, with weights or anything like that, or just flatline them. Right. Um, so I kind of just went with the simplest approach that I knew was just right. you know, flatlining the baits and then just hitting different depths. Now, Brandon, now, John ended up winning the second Sailfish Smackdown. I think that was 2013. Um, what advice did he give you, you know, being a former champion? Uh, you know, just to hit the different depths. I mean, because, right. you know, he was saying that the fish, and then when they're on the move, they're on the move. They don't stay in one place very long. So, exactly. I mean, I just tried to move around as much as I could, hit the different depths, and, you know, I was just lucky to, you know, land the first one. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Well, let me tell you something, man. It was awesome what you did, and especially coming from, you know, once again, another state. It's, uh, it's unbelievable, you know, I mean, what you've, what you've accomplished. So are you doing the Summer Slam Series? Yes, I will be down there in two, two weeks. Yep. Yeah, man, it's coming up fast. So talking about now the Summer Slam Series, what kind of uh, research have you done on that? and uh, like kingfish, tuna, all that, the meat fishing here in Pompano Beach? Or have you done a lot of research, or are you just going to come down and kind of wing it and see what you get? Uh, I've done a little bit of research. I fished last year's first summer slam. Um, and I mean, that all that lasted all of I think that was like done. Everybody was in by like 11 o'clock because that huge storm came in. Yeah, um, that rain, yeah. So yeah, Actually, it's raining right now. Was, so yeah, It's been raining crazy. That yeah. was definitely an experience. Um so I think, I don't know, my main plan, I think, with the SummerSlam is I'm going to start uh, start fairly shallow um, and then just work my way out deep and uh, try to jig, see if I can't pick yeah. some tune up that way, um, and then just troll again with some guards. Yeah, I always tell people, you know, in these, in these meat tournaments, it's going to take two fish. So, yep. you know, years ago, it used to take one big fish and someone would take it, but now... You know, people are consistently for the past four years, you got to get two nice, nice kings or you get, uh, we had, uh, uh, what was his name? Win it with two jumbo blackfins a couple of years ago. Oh, Ricky. Ricky. Yeah. yeah. Like four jumbo black. He won. He had a lot, right? Like four tuna. Yeah. They were all over 25 pounds. I think. And that's the thing, Brandon, if there's blackfin tuna running through everybody. Oh my God. Yeah. That the weight will be, will be insane. So, uh, and then you get your wild card, uh, Wahoo. I, uh, what's his name? McCoy. We saw on Facebook catch a big one. Uh, oh yeah, Luis. A couple days ago, it was Luis, right? Yeah, and we're going to be right around that moon, so there might even be some wild card big wahoo caught. So you never know. But um, 
Yeah, man, it's going to be good. So we're excited that you're going to come back and, uh, and fish it. So what was the, what was the experience, you know, when you knew that you won the tournament and you won the $5,000, you know, what did it feel like? I mean, it felt awesome. It was a little bit of like, it took a while for the setting. Um, right. Just because, I mean, it was a little bit of like, you know, a disbelief that, you know, coming from Pittsburgh, coming down there, not fishing, you guys is fishery all the time, then, you know, pulling something like that off. I mean, it definitely took, I'd say probably a couple of days to, for it to really, you know, completely set in. Um, right. but it was an awesome did you, feeling. Did you get like a key to the city up there? <laughs> did you tell the mayor, like the mayor, they recognize you or anything? You, you know what I noticed? I mean, I think, probably that's the last thing I think. Whatever of. town. The guys are from like you should send the press. That would be pretty cool. Town, you know, like, yeah. that'd be cool. Well, you know, you know what I noticed, Brandon, was um, when I was talking to you at the awards. When I went up to you, you seemed like you were like in shock. You know, <laughs> you were just kind of yeah. like. Uh... <laughs> and then when um, when Jimmy wanted to interview you, he even came up to me afterward, and he's like, "I don't think it really set in for him yet." <laughs> <laughs> nope, no, it definitely Jimmy, wasn't. No, it definitely took a man. couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that, pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Well, what advice would you give someone new that wants to come down and try the Selfish Smackdown and try to win this sucker? I mean, being someone from another state to come down here and beat the locals and do it, you know, what advice would you give someone that, that wants to try it? I mean, just get out there and do it. I mean, the first Selfish tournament that I fished, the first tournament in general, um, I mean, I was a little bit timid, and I mean, it was only the third fourth time I think I was offshore um, right the only way to get comfortable with being out there I mean it's such a big body of water um, is just you know get experience and do it uh, do some research keep it simple um, you know I know some people last year and even this year I think had like some helium tanks and stuff like that I just I think the simpler the, the simplest way is the easiest way I mean it doesn't I agree take, with you you know the most outrageous techniques, the most expensive stuff. Um, I mean, the only way that you're going to catch fish is, you know, getting out there and doing it. Get a bait in the water. Now I will say this about the, 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 the guys with kites. Like, I feel like if you can dial that in on a kayak, like if you can get out there and practice that enough, the problem is people want to show up on tournament day and it's like, they just first, do it. And they're, they're their first time to try. Like, right. That's never going to work. Like, it doesn't even work if you're trying a new technique to get your bait down. So it definitely doesn't right. work if you're trying a new technique to fly a kite on a, on a kayak. I feel like flying a kite on the kayak, like the guys who do it consistently, catch fish on it, um, it works. But I see. Now, I'm a little – now, I've, I've, guys have been trying to fly kites in my tournaments or, or flying them since 2014. So there are guys that have been doing it. I feel, though, that it's not – there yet on the kayak i don't know if they got to change things around maybe make a smaller type gear like in general for it mm -hmm. like how you can buy smaller downriggers and smaller you know everything's smaller but i feel like i don't know with the kite fishing guys they've never won a tournament with the kite and i just you know being on a help boat and looking at what they're doing um there was one angler that was using a kite a couple of years ago and the kite's flying up and he's sitting there with his baits and he's working he's working it but what I noticed was his bait was like literally right next to the kayak. Like it wasn't going out. It was going up, but it wasn't far enough away. I felt that you would get a strike. I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it was working. So I don't know. I mean, 
maybe it'll get better. Maybe they'll get better at it or maybe they'll, they'll make better gear. But I think that's what it is. Like you, you just have to be the kite guy. You can't, you, you, that's just how you have to fish. You know what I mean? Like right. if you're out there two days a week fishing with a kite, then your odds increase better, you know, better than if you just show up for a tournament and try to fly a kite like that. Right. Well, listen, when you're fishing a tournament, you got to go out there with uh, a mindset of this is what I'm going to do. I have a plan. I'm going to execute the plan and I'm going to win it. Yeah. Also, you need to do what you normally do. Right. Like, you got to do what you're good at. It's not a time to be trying new things out. Like, right. It doesn't make sense to go out there and experiment on a day where you paid money and you could win, you know, five or $10,000. Exactly. I mean, I, I agree with Brandon. You know, I always said, you know, less is more when you're fishing offshore. I don't feel that you need all that stuff, you know, when you're going out there. And plus, you know, if you're going out there competing for five grand, I don't want to have six rods where I'm fumbling around and twisting and turning. And if I get a fish, you know, I just, I want it simple. So I, I agree with Brandon when it comes to, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. But it, if you're the guy who, who has six rods, like be the guy who has six rods every single time you exactly. go. Like if, if you're John McCroy, he goes out there with a bunch of stuff, right? But he goes out there four days, five days a week and he knows how to handle, you know, three lines in the water. Yeah. I don't, I can't even catch fish with one line. In the we water. Know. And so, like, I'm always getting my line wrapped in my rudder, right. no matter what. So, like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, like, do it all the time. Like, make that be – do in the tournament what you're going to – what you always do. And, right. And don't, like, experiment. And I feel like you get – your odds are – Go up. Great. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If, you're, if you're trying out new junk – like, if you just got a new downrigger, best not to use it for the first oh, time in the tournament. Oh, yeah. That's a terrible idea. And I, I'm one of those people that are um, kind of against pre-fishing. I feel like a lot of people – quote unquote below their load before the tournament. You'll see them catch a Wahoo and a Monster King and then on tournament day they get zipped. You know, I've seen that over and over and over again, man. Yeah, I wouldn't I, even pre fish. If I was getting ready for a tournament, I would go on tournament day and that's it. That's yeah. me. I get it for the out of towners. I know you guys gotta come down yeah, you wanna make a, try you the make a trip of it. But it would suck if you went out there the day before the tournament and freaking killed it. Well, one day doesn't have anything to do with the next. But you're right. Like But I mean, you're not going to, you're not catching a fish. <laughs> you today. know what I mean? You're not catching a fish today that you would have caught tomorrow. Right? You're not going to get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you're still, it's still each day is independent, but I mean, you know, some guys don't even fish any time except for the tournament. So you, you got to right. go spend eight hours in the water. And then now you have a two day tournament coming up for the selfish tournament. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now you can just spend three days in the water and you haven't done that in eight months. So yeah, it's right. like grueling on your body. That's why a lot of people don't go out the next day on the selfish tournament. Right. Because they're tired from the first day. Yeah. Because they went out and pre-fished for two days. Well, Brandon, I um, listen, man, I appreciate you calling in, man, and you did an awesome job. And uh, I want to thank you and, and all the other out-of-towners that listen to this show, you know, for coming down and competing in the uh, Sailfish Smackdown. I mean, you guys did awesome. And, uh, you know, you guys worked through crappy weather. You guys worked through uh, insane conditions, strong currents. So um, you guys are definitely uh, the definition of extreme kayak fishing. So I, I appreciate it, Brandon. Well, thank you, guys. Can't wait to see you in a couple weeks here. Yeah, man. I got one more question before we let you go. What's up? In, in Pennsylvania, I've heard that there's a lot of UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings together. Do you know yeah. anything about that? Have you seen anything over there? I wouldn't say in Pittsburgh, maybe a little bit east or west of the city. Really? Were, the, were the people in attention? Yeah, I mean, I was in Cook's Forest <laughs> a couple, three or four weeks ago. And I mean, I think that's, that has some potential. It's pretty thick out there. 
have you personally seen anything odd in Pennsylvania? Mm, to some of the people downtown. <laughs> yeah. I knew he was going to say that. More like the people, not the uh, animals. All right, Brandon. Well, um, listen, we need you to keep your eyes open in Pennsylvania, my friend, because if you have any sighting, we want to know about it. Joe, Joe wants up. to know about it. He's I want to know. About he's been it. trying to get probed for like ten years. I know it's not happening, man. <laughs> I I welcome them to abduct me, and they will not do it. He just so, wants the probing. I want to talk about it. I want the story. Okay. You know, well, I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm screwed. I'm gonna have Men in Black come to my house and boop, zap you with that little flashlight. How'd that go? Boop. Yep, that was perfect. All right, Brandon. On that note, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk to you in the Summer Slam. All right. Good luck. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right. See, see you, in brother. A weeks, buddy. All right, bye. All right. So, what did we learn? We learned that the weirdos in Pennsylvania are more of note than the UFO sightings. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. And Pittsburgh. Listen, there are things that go on Mm -hmm. in New Jersey and Pennsylvania that I know about. Mm -hmm. Like like cousin fucking? There is... A lot of UFO sightings over there, and I'm telling you, I've seen UFOs. I've personally seen UFOs there, Mm. but I have something really exciting coming up for the next podcast. Cool. Let me get the microphone up here just so everybody can hear. Right. Appreciate it. Ridiculous thing that you're about to say. Um, So I have a guest calling in the next podcast. We will talk about everything with Mm. the SummerSlam series. We're probably going to have Joe Bate call in. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. I think we can go into different types of rigging for baits, different types of baits you guys could use. So we'll have Joe call in, but also we're going to have a treat. Really? Yes. Tell us. So we have someone that is going to call in. Keep us waiting no longer. All right. And this person Mm. actually fishes for mermaids. Now, before you all laugh and think I'm crazy. No, you go ahead and laugh. This this person has photos to Mm -hmm. document what he's talking about. Mm. He has a legitimate way that he fishes for these mermaids. What is he Actually, a lot of it is netting, like mm. cast netting. Oh. And what he says is, now I'm just giving you a little preview, but what he says is, this is a little taste. These mermaids aren't what people like envision in, in like movies. So it's not like the little mermaid. Mm. These mermaids like hiss and they're nasty. They're more animal-like. They're like cats. Yes. And mm. they're small. They're like, you know, they're like. Baby uh, sailfish. Yeah. Huh. And they're also not very bright. Mm. And he says certain times a year, he now now these uh types of mermaid, okay. They're kind of like salmon. They go from the salt water into the streams. Oh, right. In fresh water and they breed. So he goes and he nets them when they're in their breeding. In the shallow water when they're swimming upstream. Yes. Okay. So they're like a genie. This is gonna be an awesome show. I, I am excited. Is there like an evil queen? No, Fred, I know you don't believe dances. me, but I... And when he nets them, does Neptune get really pissed? Fred, <sighs> lightning bolts come down from the heavens. We are going to... Listen, happen. I'm telling you, this will change your view on mermaids. Listen, sir, whoever... Do you honestly believe that mermaids don't exist? I'm not going to entertain this. Why? Here's what I'm going to say to the guest... For next week. Okay. Next, next podcast. Right. I will not. 
I'm not, I'm not going to personally. Will you at least hear him out? I will not be personally attacking you. <laughs> but you are going to get some shit here. Will you hear him out? No, of course I'll hear him out. This wouldn't be any fun if I didn't hear him out. Right. I'm not going to just be like, <clears throat> dude, you're crazy. I want to hear the crazy talk. But I think it's interesting. I mean, okay. he literally hunts for these things. I'm sure he does. And they're good eating. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's throw that out there. <laughs> He's eating mermaids. So, it's going to be an awesome podcast. We're super excited. Uh, there's one more thing I want to talk about before we go. <clears throat> now, I was watching a documentary, and it was awesome. And it was uh, narrated by a, an engineer. Mm. And what he talked about, he showed a timeline from the UFO's mm-hmm. uh, agenda, basically. Uh. And so, the Nazis in the 1940s created uh, – it was like this bell-shaped – UFO. So the UFOs that you basically see today that are Mm bell-shaped are human-made. They're engineered by people. They're back-engineered. Nazi ships. No, the Nazis are long gone. Actually, the Nazis actually are the reason why we have our space program. I don't know if you know that, too. Right. We stole the Nazi scientists from World War II. We brought them over here. Excuse me. And Hmm. used their technology to build the rockets and that whole shabam. But Long story short, you can go online. Is this it? it? That's a drone, sir. But if you didn't know better, that's a drone. But if you didn't type in, I want you to type in right now. If you people are listening, type in Nazi flying saucers. Nazi, okay, flying yes saucers. Correct. Done. And you will see legitimate photos from when the Nazis created these. They back engineered them, and when they got captured after World War II from our government. We started creating these things. Actually, Bob Lazar, okay, was someone who was back engineering some of these ships. And they say today, so the difference between a man-made flying saucer and an alien flying saucer is the man-made ones are bell-shaped. But did they fly? Yes. And why don't they fly anymore? You're looking at them right now, and I can tell you're intrigued. No, I'm looking at this. Are you intrigued? I'm looking at a What are you looking at? A Nazi photo of no, I'm I'm not looking at a photo. I'm looking at a. Yes, you are. I'm seeing it right there, sir. This isn't a photo. I don't know if you know what photos are, but this is a composite. Oh yeah, but there's real ones. Okay, well they're all the same. Anyway, long story short. So I don't know how. Long story short. (laughs) Um, yeah, this documentary was. It looks like all right. If you guys aren't if you guys aren't looking. All right, one of these things. It looks like imagine like a like like they put torrents on if it. If you're if you're in like if you're in the hillside, the countryside of like Vietnam, and there's like forty dudes in a in a, in a rice paddy picking rice. Oh. That the little hat that they wear, the little straw, yes, yes, it looks exactly like the straw hat that you would wear if you were picking. Right rice. now, those are man-made. Right. Well, Those are not made by extraterrestrials. Well, of course, aliens wouldn't model their airships after a, you know, a rice picking hat. Correct. Right. Like they're About. not gonna they're not gonna use the sun hat as an inspiration for a multi dimensional yes. flying and traveling through space and time vehicle. Vehicle. They would use something right. obvious, less obvious. Right. Right. Like a well, like a frisbee. Well, listen though. So, They'd rather make it look like a frisbee. <laughs> so what happened is. <clears throat> Oh, you want to know what happened? At least though? something so, that actually flashed. When World War II was over, okay, and America mm-hmm. won, uh, the Nazis America. occupied uh, one little section of Antarctica, okay? Actually, okay. it's still Nazi-occupied today. Who's occupying it? 
Well, that's the question. So, so basically, it's not the USA sent okay a fleet mm-hmm. of warships, state of the art warships at the time, uh, helicopters, planes, the whole shabam to take out this final Nazi location in okay? Antarctica. In Antarctica, how'd they get the ships to Antarctica? And you could look this up as well. Uh, they actually use the um, – the, they're called ice crushers. Ice breakers. Breakers. They're the ships that yeah, make the, Coast the trail. Guard, the Coast Guard does that. So they use this whole thing to get mm. to this location. Mm. They got there. Okay. And shit hit the fan. UFOs came out of oh, um, the water from beneath, came out of the ice, fired on these ships, totally destroyed our fleet that went there to even see what was going on with this Nazi explain, location. What he's explaining right now is Transformers 2. No. This was, this Pre- was precisely this legitimate, what sir. Precisely the plot of Transformers So, 2. okay. We got our ass kicked. So the alien invasion of well, Antarctica. There is they, a were theory, protect, they were protecting Antarctica. There from, is a theory that the final remnants of the Nazis are aliens. Are in Antarctica, and they have back-engineered alien technology. Maybe um, it's going to be the new rise. The rise of the alien Nazis. Antarctica edition. You're unbelievable. Real housewives of Nazi alien Antarctican. But I'm serious. I mean, you look this up. This is legitimate stuff, right? Alien. We need to open your mind to the real world. Do you believe the earth is flat? No, because I've been to Venice, Louisiana. I would have fallen off. Okay. Do you believe in Bigfoot? I'm going back next week. Do you believe in Bigfoot? I believe that if there are one of these weird cockamamie ideas that you fall for. It's more Jay. I'm actually not a big believer in Bigfoot, but I am a believer in the the alien agenda. The idea that you, you 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 are... more convinced that there are lizard people walking around Ugh. than you are of the possibility of a giant. What would it hominoid? take to convince you? Can I get a good guess? Can we find someone online that we can get on this show that will have proof and convince you of the alien agenda? You know what? I'm, that's my mission. Your mission. After we get the mermaid person to talk about oh, that guy's just full of shit. No, he's not. No, I'm it's legit. You. Okay. All right, he might be catching a thing, and he might be catching it and eating it, and it might swim in the ocean and in the streams, but it ain't they're a fucking China, mermaid, sir. sir. Oh, they're in China? Maybe. That's why they're so little. Maybe. Explains it all. Yes. Maybe they're manufactured in a alien it's lab. It's Trump. It's all Trump. Not Trump, dude. He might be catching a little thing that's hissy and sassy. Could be. It might have little gills on the side of it. How'd they go? Might have little gills on the side of its face and head, but it isn't a mermaid. A mermaid mermaid is a part human. Right. From the waist up. Right. Shells on the boobs. Right. No. Long, beautiful. No, you're talking about Little Mermaid. No, I'm talking about mermaid. I can't wait for you this guy to, for him to tell you what a real mermaid is. All right, but you can't change the definition of a mermaid. Why? Because the stories are. What is the definition of a mermaid? The stories are thousands of years old that they're half human half fish things they are but that's the thing that he's talking about isn't a half fish or a half human it's a fucking fish it's a thing no it is just a fish mermaid oh my jesus so for christ's sake but i am gonna find you find and i need your help finding someone i want to get someone legit someone that will totally blow my sock blow your mind i need the utmost authority on alien probe okay 
Deal. conspiracy. We'll find it. In <clears throat> Alien Agenda. Correct. I need Alien Agenda. We're going to find it. Right, but he can't be a part of the, like, M- M- um, what's that called? MS-13? No. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't mean that. Uh, what is it called? Like M5 or something. Yeah, anyway, he, we got to go. He, he, but... can't be, he can't be like men in black. But guys, listen, we got the uh, SummerSlam series coming right around the corner. Oh, That's yeah. going to take place June 2nd. And then we have in August to Wait, finish off the year. Is it June 1st or 2nd? 2nd. Oh, the captain's meeting is It's going to be Thursday, May 31st. We're going to have oh. a huge raffle to benefit the Broward's Children's Center. So hopefully we'll see you all at the kickoff party, May 31st, at Brews Room, Pompano Beach. Brews Room, Pompano. The tournament itself will be June 2nd. Then we got our final of the year. Shout our, out to Richie. Our Wahoo tournament, which is August 25th. Well, don't get it twisted. It's not the, a Wahoo tournament. Basically. It might you know well what be. the winning fish was the past three years? Let me guess. Uh, Amberjack. Wahoo. Say that again. Wahoo. Mm. All right. Well, it's the SummerSlam, too, so don't it go. It is the SummerSlam, too. Don't go, but, don't go emailing like, when's the Wahoo tournament? Oh, I'm already getting that. Yeah, you're already there. Someone's already emailing you like, oh, dude, is there a Wahoo tournament? <laughs> sure, you put on a new Extreme Wahoo tournament? ExtremeWahoo.com. All right, guys. Well, listen, we love you. You can go to ExtremeKayakFishing.com, find out all the tournament information you want. You can find uh, Freddie at, at Pedal Pirate. Yeah. And uh, we will uh, see you guys soon. We'll holla at you, kids. This has been the Kayak Fishing Vlog Podcast. It's just swimming with bow-legged women.